Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We are here once again talking about UFC 279, going down at the T-Mobile Center in Las Vegas, Nevada, and headlined by a welterweight bout between Hamzat Chimaev and Nate Diaz. We're talking about the prelim card right now with a, according to ESPN Fight Center, ESPN, Wiki, and Tapology are all different right now. So we're going off the ESPN Fight Center roster as it stands at the moment um, for the rundown of bout order. According to the ESPN Fight Center, we've got a featured prelim between Hakeem Dawadu and Julian Arosa at the top of the prelim card, which is a great featured prelim to me. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a fight that deserves all the attention. Yeah. On a card that is otherwise, as we've talked about, it would be a fun fight night. It is it is a weird and not very well constructed pay-per-view. No, but at least if this is what's happening, this is um, the natural pick for featured prelim. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's a good fight. So, yeah, let's just jump right in and get talking about this. Sure. I mean, um, so, you know, there, there's a universe where Julian Arosa wins this fight. It, uh, you were just it talking is, about everything everywhere all at once, and so I'm fully <laughs> of the a, feeling. There's a universe where anybody wins, where I win this fight. <laughs> <laughs> there's a multiverse somewhere. Yeah. Where uh, where Erosa wins this fight, um, the fight he wins still looks a lot like the fight he's going to have here, which I'm going to pick him to lose. Yeah, because it involves soaking up a truly colossal amount of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, because- Julian Erosa really has whatever whatever Frank the Crank uh, was on. You know, Frank Crank. Uh, Camacho. Crank. He was on Crank. He was on Crank. Yeah. Whatever Frank the Crank was on, be it Crank or otherwise, Julian Arosa really has a lot of that. Where it's yeah. just like you could spark him in two in under a minute in any bout, but if you don't, you are in for an absolute war. Yeah, you could even call it uh, um, Crank Two, High Voltage. I've, you know, I know I've a long campaign for you to watch more movies. <laughs> I think I'd actually like it if you watched less movies. Crank Two is a good movie. What are you saying? <laughs> you seen it? I, you know, I, I can't, if I have, I watched oh, it. Oh, buddy, like, it rocks. It's, yeah, it's dumb. It's really fun. Sure, and uh, I know the, that the Crank movies actually do have a reputation for all. Yeah. I, I, all being really fun and stupid. I think I've at least seen the first one. I mean, well-made. That's the important thing. They're well-made yeah. action movies that are that just revel in being ridiculous and over the top. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, like Julian Arosa, revels in being ridiculous and over the top. Yeah, I mean, the fight that he wins, um, like I said, it still involves him doing what he's going to have to do here, which is to um, put intense pressure on a fighter in Hakim Daudu who is incredibly skilled, Mm-hmm. Super polished as a striker, but can possibly be worn down and overwhelmed. Yeah. Although I would um, say that fight he had with Mosar Ivlovev, 
for him he to looked, come back in the third round of that fight and win that round looked great. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, honestly, he, he, he dealt with an incredibly difficult matchup better than you might've expected. Um, yeah. Better than we did expect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so like, that's why I'm absolutely going to be picking Dawoodi here because yeah. th- that is not a, a very winnable type of fight. I mean, granted Dawoodi doesn't finish many opponents. Yeah. He, he will probably let Erosa into this fight and let Erosa have the kind of fight he wants. Yeah. But, um, it is also a dynamic where, um, like, as you just pointed out, where the chances of actually breaking Dawoodi with that pressure are kind of slim. In fact, it, it seems more likely that he, um, he comes alive a little bit when he has to, as the fight goes on. Yeah. Um, that the more pressure Arosa puts in, the more Dawoodi is going to realize he has to throw back. And the more he does that, the, the more he'll realize that it's actually incredibly easy to land clean strikes. Uh, cause Julian Arosa has dog shit defense. <laughs> it is essentially non-existent. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's just, uh, super hittable and granted putting pressure on Dowdy, which I expect him to do may, um, take away one of some of Dowdy's best weapons, which are his kicks. But even then Dowdy is better at kicking while being pressured than the vast majority of fighters because yeah. he is a quality kickboxer. He's got a back foot kicking game, which most people do not have. Right. So it's not quite so easy to just like neuter the, uh, the the range weapons out of his game and um and then when he's made to when he's put into clinches when he's put in the pocket is also yeah a super sharp diverse boxer he hits the body he um throws nice combinations good counter puncher um really the only moment we've had where he didn't look good was when he got immediately shocked by danny henry and maybe there's another um even more unlikely universe where Erosa makes something like that happen. But between the two of them, the guy who gets sparked out in the first round is not Hakeem Daudu. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a good sign for Erosa that he's um, that Daudu doesn't tend to knock people out. I still think it's perfectly possible that that happens mm-hmm. because Daudu again it can is happen super- to anybody with Julian Erosa. He Exactly. He, and he starts with a lot of aggression and no timing and his method of striking with somebody like, you know, that there's a very much like a, a, a Dominic Cruz instructional instructional DVD feel. Julian <laughs> yes. Arosa, yes. Where like he will just leap in from range and then plant his feet and look to start an exchange in the pocket. Yeah. And so there's nothing coming except his face when he's getting into range. Yeah. Let's put it this way. If, if Julian Arosa is the guy you bring into camp to prepare you for a fight with Dominic Cruz, you're going to come into that fight. Very confident. Yeah. One might say overconfident. Yeah. You'd be like, Oh wow. Dominic Cruz really doesn't throw anything while he jumps into the pocket <laughs> and I can just plug him really hard. Yeah. So which is not the case with Dominic Cruz. But. Yeah, and Dawadu is such a sharp and accurate striker that um, the the fact that Arosa is going to have to pressure him means that um, it's going to amplify the effect of those shots. So yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, it's there's every likelihood that he ends up finishing Arosa. If he doesn't, uh, unfortunately for Julian, Dawadu has already proven that he can get sharper and um, more aggressive the longer a fight like this goes on. So you got to pick him. It's yeah. 
there, there's one thing that I think is really instructive when thinking about this fight, honestly, mm-hmm. which is that, you know, we talk about Julian Rosa having bad defense. The thing that Hakeem Dewadu does, like his, he's not just a good volume striker. Mm-hmm. We talk about his back foot kicking game. He really works his jab well. He faints. He gets he gets fighters to second guess a lot. He is a much higher output striker than it sort of feels like because yeah. of that. He's he will just be picking at you. You can be pressuring him the whole time, and he still racks up impressive numbers. Yeah, and I I, I remember somebody bringing this uh, talking about Dewadu on Twitter once. And I was like, you know, he lands way more than it feels like he lands. Yeah, exactly. Like he he builds a lot more um, a lot more offense than it seems like, and one of the big reasons why is that his striking is built to shut down his opponent's striking. Yeah. The striking that Hakeem Dewadu does stops opponents from hitting him. You look at pretty much every Hakeem Dewadu fight, except for that Evil Oil one where he got out-wrestled for so much of it. And it's always Hakeem Dewadu, like, doubling up on his opponent's output. Yeah. You know, he outlanded Mike Trezano 141 to 70. You know, outlanded Zubara Tukugov 69 to 35. Mm-hmm. You know, outlanded Julio Julio Arce 55 to 32. Yoshinori Hori 80 to 39. Like even Bokniak. some of these, yeah, Bokniak 103 to 42. Even some of these are split decisions. That yeah. he he's got. You know, we talked about this, but on the main card, I talked about this a little D Rod. It's mm-hmm. the Bobby Green symptom where like. Mm-hmm. It feels like he's doing less work than he's doing. Even judges get fooled into thinking he's doing less than he's doing. Yeah. And on the flip side, you've got Julian Arosa, who throws more volume than Hakeem Dewadu. But every Julian Arosa fight, his opponent keeps pace with him perfectly. Yeah. Because his defense is terrible. None of his striking is built to stop his opponent from hitting him. Yeah, you can be a terrible striker like uh, like Steven Peterson and land just as many shots. Yeah. Um, and when you striking have... defense, these are just UFC fights. Striking defense, yeah. 48%. Yeah. Even that feels high. Yeah, it really does. And but... so even so, when you have that dynamic, right, I, I, you have to think that Dewadu is going to go out there and he's going to be able to shut. Julian Arosa out of large parts of this fight. Yeah. Julian Arosa's striking isn't made to shut down his opponent. So Dewadu's going to get to land a lot. He's going to get to throw a lot. Yeah. And when he throws a lot and he lands a lot, he stops his opponent. Exactly. And he's going to be nothing... interrupting Arosa's combinations. Yeah. He's going to be disrupting his stance. He's going to be creating an angle and making him reset. It's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be very fun because yeah. Rosa is going to keep taking the fight to him as long as he can. But yeah, but it, it seems like a uh, it seems like a great matchup for Dewadu, frankly. What about Erosa's uh, wrestling? Because obviously that's going to be something he's looking for. It's just not strong enough. I I tend to agree. And Erosa, is, yeah, um, his his wrestle Arosa's wrestling he does it and it shows yeah. up because people are surprised by it. But it's kind of a function of. A lot, a lot of times it feels like a function of him facing other similarly mm-hmm. physical fighters to him. Mm-hmm. Guys who who don't really have a lot of physicality to their games as well. Or, you know, somebody like Charles Jordan, who's just always gets taken down. 
uh, Sean Woodson, who, you know, is kind of a stilty tall man fighter who, yeah, uh, Rosa was able to pressure really well. But otherwise, like, he's not a physical wrestler. It's not yeah. a. Yeah, he's, he's not Mobstar of Love, who is... No. Uh, the deck is a little stacked, because that is actually one of the few, like, really solid wrestlers that Doherty's ever fought. Yeah. Um, but even that, he dealt with better than expected. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, Rosa just tends to kind of, you know, do that thing where he's, like, hunching over in the upper back and just, like, grabs a single and... The problem for him there is that, A, it's going to be difficult to get to those positions more so than against pretty much anyone else. Because yeah. Dawood's footwork is solid and he is going to be forcing those resets as much as he can. Dawood was also a very solid clinch fighter. So yeah. you can't get an immediate takedown and you have to tie up and keep working for it. You are once more going to be absorbing damage and being out positioned. So, yeah. Pretty pretty straightforward pick in, in what is nonetheless uh, a really fun style matchup. Yep. All right. Uh, odds on the bout. We've got Hakeem Dawadu is the favorite. Opened at minus 190. Dropped straight to minus 245. Currently minus 230. Julian Arosa opened at plus 165. Currently plus 186. That's, that's fine by me. It Duwadu should be a pretty sizable favorite, and I wouldn't be surprised if it gets wider as fight the fight night approaches and people part start putting him into anchor parlays and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, that brings us to gotta go back to the ESPN Fight Center. Jailton Almeida against replacement Anton Turkal. Yeah, Anton Turkal, <laughs> who is subbing in for Shamil Abdurahimov. And I don't, I don't know if you saw Turkle's contender series fight. Can, can I, oh, before you say anything else? Yeah. Turkal or Turkali or however it's pronounced. Turkali, it might be Turkali actually. His nickname is the Pleasure Man. He's the Pleasure Man, a top ten inappropriate <laughs> MMA nickname. It's great. I it's, think that's if you're gonna have a nickname that's off the wall, go for it. Yeah, the, the pleasure man. <laughs> Maybe that sounds a lot cooler. Dude, than, uh, Swedish seems, or whatever. Yeah, dude seems like a complete goofball. Yeah, he on the apparently it's for the contender series after his fight was over. Uh, this was the one. So already, you know, Dana made this big show on the the first episode of the contender series this year of only signing one dude, Joe Pfeiffer. Okay, and being like everybody else sucked and you got to fight like this dude, and I can't believe you all. And now, of course. Here's Tricali getting a call up in the UFC immediately afterwards. So yeah, that happened. It, it was a big thing where like a they everybody who fights on the contender series pretty much gets shortlisted for a call up in the U, in the near future from the UFC even if they don't get signed. Mm-hmm. So that's no surprise. But it was also just a big kind of show for Dana White being pissed because uh, fighters crapped the bed in front of uh, Lorenzo Fertitta who was showing up for a UFC event for the first time and like half a decade that's so funny they went trying to impress his cool friends yeah yeah <laughs> that's pathetic but Turkali afterward he like he's talking to laura sanko and he he was like i didn't think i thought the fight was going to be five rounds and stuff he seems like a complete like <laughs> ridiculous goofball who doesn't it, it, you know it's just like what a complete weirdo in yeah. the gym basically well his um, topology photo he appears to be singing 
Yeah. He's and he, <laughs> he came, he told everybody ahead of time that he didn't want to describe what his, his fighting style was like, because it was like, you had to experience it to, to, to understand it and all that. And then he went out there and basically just like blanketed his opponent for three rounds. <laughs> Just like messy wall installed, yeah. top control takedown drudgery. You got to experience it. Yeah, uh-huh. like I can see why he didn't want to tell people how he fights. <laughs> yeah, what's your fighting style like? Oh, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bad. It's absolutely no fun at all. <laughs> um. Uh, well, I'm in. I'm but, sold. <laughs> yeah. If that's if that's anything to go by, um, he's gonna get creamed by Jailton Almeida. Yeah. Like, well, that's what he gets. Yeah. Just being a, a completely messy swing and cling dude who has to be able to muscle an opponent around to beat them. Yeah. Almeida's just going to chew him up. Yeah. I, so. yeah, I have very little to add. I mean, it's, this, this may as well be the main event. Like Almeida is a really good fighter on the yeah. come up. And um, Turkali could be a good fighter someday. He's, he's got the physicality. He's got like the confidence. He's just really under. Yeah. You know, he's he's only been fighting for a few years now, three years, really seriously mm-hmm. at this point. And uh, it shows. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean. Um, now, is this at uh, heavyweight? Yeah, because this was supposed to be against Shamil Abdurakhimov. Yeah, uh, now, that's cause... interesting that Almeida just keeps taking these heavyweight fights. I mean, the last yeah. one didn't exactly make me feel like that's the division for him, even though he still it's, looked good. It's not, but like, you know, we've talked about the, you gotta have, because he was, he was, like, he weighed in at like 100 and, I think he weighed in at like 200 pounds for his light heavyweight debut. Yeah, yeah. Like he's kind of a, a middleweight sized dude. Yeah, I kind of appreciate that to be honest. He just keeps yeah. taking these heavyweight fights. He's like, well, I'll stay busy. I don't have to cut any weight at all. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm way better than these dudes. They're heavyweights. We've talked about the key for being able to transition between light heavyweight and heavyweight, and it's that 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 dad energy, that confidence. So like, of course I can just go beat this guy. What do I care? Yeah. And dude has it. Like, yeah, that is the confidence he is bringing out there. It's just like whether he's aware of it or not. Jonathan Almeida clearly has children. That's right. (laughs) You know, actually, he must be aware of it because I think that's the dad energy you need. You can't be a deadbeat dad. No, no, that's light heavyweight energy. That's light heavyweights are deadbeat dads because they they can't acknowledge. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think there's some. uh, photos he posted out there after his last that there that surfaced out there after his last win of him out there with like a bass and like oh, you know yeah. some some cut off shorts or something fishing and oh, just yeah. like you know like okay yeah no i get the idea who this dude is yeah if he's bringing that like i've got confidence that he can he can make these fights work for him you know yeah my 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 kids and my opponents they all have to call me sir that's the yep. energy we're, energy we're getting from Jalton Almeida <laughs> yeah very easy pick this card is kind of full of these unfortunately yeah. i mean again this is why with the level of name value it has why it would be a perfectly solid in fact quite a good fight night card yeah um 
But uh, it is another thing sort of taking some of the shine off that uh, even these fighters you want to see, like, do I want to see Jonathan Almeida? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Turkali yeah, does not feel like a, a ready opponent for him. Yeah. Odds on the bout. Uh, they just opened for this fight because it's only just gotten started. Okay. The initial line has been set at minus 1,500 for Jelton Almeida, plus 750 for Anton Turkali. So, Okay. Yeah, not surprised. All right. That brings us to a middleweight bout. Dennis Tealulin against Jamie Pickett. I Our know. Tealulin. Tealulin. <laughs> why do you it sounds like a keanu reeves voice when you really try to pronounce all this all the different vowels You're right Tululin? Tululin? <laughs> it's got some of that sort of surfer bro questioning tone built right in mm-hmm. it really um, does against jamie pickett yeah um i don't recall us being particularly impressed with any aspect of Tululin other than his name last time yeah, he's an aggressive, um, just swarming striker who always ends up in the clinch and then is easy to take down. Because Yeah, he's very plodding. He's kind of slow with his hands, too. Tends to overthrow things. And yeah, like if you stand right in front of him and give him that fight, he can find some moments. Um, and the aggression helps, but uh, he's also just going to walk into anything coming back at him. Yeah. And you can kind of outposition him in a number of ways. You can take him down if you're good, as we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also just hit him on the way in. Yeah. Um, that I doesn't suppose, mean Jamie Pickett's going to do it. No, I suppose that makes it an interesting matchup or at least a difficult one to call because Jamie Pickett is um, physically and skill-wise, I think, more than capable of turning sure. this into a winnable mess. But as we've said many times, is uh, the least confident man on earth mm-hmm. and doesn't doesn't know how to win fights unless it's really given to him. So I'm kind of tending towards picking Tululin just for being consistently aggressive. Right. Like it, 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 there's so many ways like Jamie Pickett should be good enough uh, wrestler and grappler to take Tululin out of his element. Um. But it's going to start on the feet, and it's going to start with Jamie Pickett being incredibly uncomfortable with this this uh, just square-shaped man who just continually walks at him trying to land right hands. Yeah, I mean, like, Joseph Holmes is yeah. incredibly unathletic and, and raw, awkward and raw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, had, he made uh, Pickett really struggle. Yeah, literally, like, if he had any way to build anything, he might have beaten Pickett. It, Pickett had to, like, go through half the fight where he was like, wait a minute, I can just beat this guy. Yeah. He had to, be, he had to come to that realization over time. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just got to pick the guy who uh, who um, knows how to win his fights. Yeah. Star Poli fight was would be minorly concerning, but that was also a version of Star Poli that just had lost all of yeah. the aggression that made him the the fighter that should have won that fight. Yeah. And even that was a brutally ugly fight. Yeah, I don't expect this one to be pretty either, because 
if Pickett does come in with a game plan, it's probably going to involve a lot of moving and resetting. But I've also never really seen well, that from Pickett. No, he might just he might just push Tealul into the cage and keep him there for three rounds. Yeah. At which point, you know, you're really picking on nothing. Yeah. I'm gonna go with I, I'm gonna go with Tealul too, uh, just because I don't know I don't. Because I don't like what Pickett's doing. And if I don't like what he's doing, I don't really, you know, yeah. I, I I just kind of want to see Tio Lulin win this fight because he's a lot more fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would I would also like to see Pickett, like, actually confidently sure. win it. Like, yeah. you know, I, I Pickett really is one of those guys that if he were to solve half of whatever his psychological issues are, he, he could be quite a good fighter. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 been a while now, and he's been the same guy the whole time. Yeah. Odds are probably going to be pretty skewed in his favor. I don't know. Thankfully, thankfully, nobody's setting expectations too high here. <laughs> Tia Lulin opened at plus 155, dropped to plus 112, is currently plus 113. Jamie Pickett opened at minus 180, jumped up to minus 135, and is currently minus 137. Fine. Dead even is where it should be. Yep, that's close enough to dead even to, to satisfy me. That's fine. Tia Lulin does not have a game that is going to win him fights in the UFC. No. He's just too slow and predictable, and he doesn't, you know, he fight he, he makes all of his fights have to be clinch fights, and then he doesn't have takedown defense. Like, there's, yeah. there's not a lot of future for that in this division. But Pickett will give almost anyone almost any fight they want. Yeah. He yeah, there's probably going to be a turn halfway through here where Pickett starts to win. Yeah, and it's just, what, will that turn come soon enough to actually win him the decision? Right. Or will he just get hit hard enough at some point afterward to, yeah, yeah. to, to lose anyway? I mean, it's it's concerning how tired T. Lulin got against, in his debut against Kizriev, but Kizriev yeah. also put a pace on him that Pickett will absolutely not. Yeah. Under any circumstances. Yep. So. Kizriev has that modern MMA wrestling grappling style. Mm-hmm. Jamie Pickett, it's not clear that he has any style at all. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a heavyweight bout. Jake Collier, Chris Barnett. Woo! Yeah. It's belly time, folks. Mm-hmm. Time for some swing and guts. Yeah. We didn't, we, we didn't get... Uh, the megaton championship I wanted between Barnett and uh, oh, that other dude who I can't remember now. We keep forgetting. We keep forgetting. And it wasn't Chris De La Roca. That's the guy I guess every time. Was it Ike Martinez? Nope. It wasn't him. It was... Ike uh, Villanueva. Villanueva. No. 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 <sighs> no it, he, he's uh, from Southeast Asia. chunky guy from Southeast Asia. Yeah. He's gone now, but um, just, I just, can't remember. Doesn't ring a single bell. <laughs> he was Clearly a fight that really minute. needed to happen. Yeah. But hey, you know, we got uh, you know, both these dudes have fought um, the fattest possible version of John Vellante. I appreciate this matchmaking. We're just going to keep the, the dudes with the most swollen guts are just going to have to keep fighting each other. That's what heavyweight's all about. It's true. It's true. This is going to be physically a very funny fight. I think it was Roque Martinez. Roque Martinez. Okay. I thought there was a Ike Villanueva 
uh, I confused thinking he had the last name Martinez. Yeah, it was Roque Martinez. We should have gotten Chris Barnett versus Roque Martinez in the UFC. Yeah, but this will do. This will do. Uh, am I talking about this? I think. Yeah, I it's you. Yeah. It's you. Okay. Um, it's interesting to note that apparently Barnett had some pretty serious, like, emotional burdens going into his last fight with Martin Boudet. Yeah. Um, I think he just lost like his fiance or something. It turned out. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it would that was a. A pretty unfortunately flat fight for him. It's also, I think, we pretty underrated just how much of a monolith Bude is. Mm-hmm. It's something that's been pretty apparent in the time since. Even if I don't think he beat Lucas Breschke at all, um, he has clearly made himself made it clear made made it apparent that he is huge and tough and yep. will absolutely just walk in on people over and over again. Yeah, he's got a a, a bit of uh, a bit of Ben Rothwell. Yeah, a bit, a bit of Blagoy Ivanov. Yeah, super tough, heavy-handed, confident. Yeah, he's he's a tough guy to look good against, I think. And Collier is not that kind of physical force, pretty clearly. You know, he does not have that size. He does not have that durability to him. He does not have that. Um, that style, even, you know, he's very much wants to be a busy, fast handed striker who throws a lot. Mm-hmm. But he's got a lot like that. That's still a lot more dedicated to a style than what Barnett brings to the table. Mm-hmm. And it's much more Collier is much more able to change things up if he needs to. You know, like mm-hmm. we saw against um, Jake um, or not Jake, but um, damn it. This, this scheduling, the, the table's getting all mixed up. It's just giving me all kinds of problems. But uh, Chase Sherman. Right, right. You know, he just came out and, like, Sherman started swanging with him, and he just took him straight down and mm-hmm. choked him out. There are other things that, that Collier can do if he can exert himself physically against his opponent and not get too much pushback. He's not way weaker and way smaller. Um. I got to pick him for this, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it really just comes down to the sort of lack of winning structure in uh, yeah. in Huggy Bear's game. I know he's not Huggy Bear anymore, but he still is in my heart. True. Um, yeah, Collier's... Huggy Bear is way more fun than Beast Boy. Oh, 100%. Beast Boy's lame. Um, yeah, I got to agree. Um, Collier is aggressive and high output. He's got a lot of diversity to his game. Does he have a consistent, like, clean process to connect things together? No. No. But he'll do one thing and then do a different thing. Yeah. And he'll do a lot of them. And uh, seems to have the stamina to do that pretty consistently as a heavyweight. hmm He's tough. Um, yeah, all it took was the dad bod to get the requisite dad energy. And he, he's <laughs> in now. He's a, he's a heavyweight. So, yeah, I, I got to pick him as well. I think... Um, this is uh, this is obviously not a fight that puts anyone in the conversation, nor is it for the belt. But I think this should be a series of fights for a belt. <laughs> right? That's what I'm saying. So, you so hold up your pants. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, Fat guys need that. It's tough it's to find true. one. That... It's, 
<laughs> you really you really delivered that perfectly. <laughs> so so after this, whoever yeah. wins will continue defending a belt. <laughs> a belt. <that's> right. <laughs> Against the next fattest. They will pass one belt around through all the big <laughs> chunky middle heavyweights. Yeah. And if you lose, then sorry. Yeah. His pants are not Suspe- staying up no matter what. Suspenders it is. You, you, get, you get stuck with suspenders. <laughs> yeah, that would be good, too. <sighs> All right. So, <laughs> hey, I like it, you know? Yeah. Again, it's a it's a fun fight. Just have a, some physical comedy uh, yep. is a perfectly good reason to make certain matchups. It is. And, yeah, I, I like, I mean, I like Barnett's creativity. It's just, it's so one shot at a time. Yeah. And his striking, his punching is absolutely just limited to overhands. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I've functionally ever seen him throw another strike than an overhand. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. easy to see why he got there. He's been fighting guys who are the same weight, but a, a foot and a half taller than him his whole career. Sure. sure. Yeah. It's just overhands and, and kicks, yep. about half of which are spinning kicks. And literally against John Vellante, it was like the first time I've ever seen one even land. Yeah, not it shocked mention, the world. Not to mention work. It was a beautiful moment. It was. But uh, he waited a whole quite long career for that actual uh, wheel kick KO to materialize. And I, I don't think that's a particularly good sign against someone like Collier, who's, you know, just actually pretty good. You know, really, Jake's been apparently hiding his dad energy really well. Because mm-hmm. apparently his actual given name, according to Tapology, is Rodney Collier. Oh, my God. That that guy runs an auto body shop. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Ditch Jake. Rodney Coll- Ditch Jake. Rodney with- Collier. Come you on. You need to be Rod Collier. Oh, my God. Rod Collier is such a good name. Grow a mustache. Right? You're yeah. in. You're heavyweight champion tomorrow if you just make that one small change. It is also wild to note that Jake Collier, being a small chubby heavyweight, is six inches taller than Chris Barnett. Yeah, no kidding. So. Yeah. Odds on the bout. Barnett opened at minus two or plus two fifty, currently plus two seventy. Collier opened at minus three hundred, currently minus three fifty one. Not not terribly surprised those odds are as wide as they are. Barnett getting getting even one win in the UFC was a pretty big deal, honestly. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a woman's bantamweight bout. Or is this a featherweight? Woman's Good question. Uh let's see. Fine strike. Woman's featherweight bout. Norma Dumont, Danielle Wolf. Um, Dumont's still fighting at featherweight, huh? Yeah, apparently. I don't know what the end game is there, but yeah, there there isn't one. No, there's there is no featherweight division. There's she's no gonna, featherweight division, and she's she's gonna fight uh fight Andrade uh, or not Andrade. She's gonna fight uh, Nunes, I guess. Now that Nunes has regained her one belt that is actually defensible, I don't know. Um, yeah, kind of a weird situation. Danielle Wolf is. One and zero. Her yeah. uh, her only fight, I think, being that 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 performance on the Contender Series, which yep. was a pretty solid debut. Sure, but um, you know, not overwhelmingly so. I mean, she showed that no. she's aggressive. That 
she's got some power in her hands. She's comfortable enough to see an exchange coming and just keep punching through it. She's yeah. big. Yeah. You know, she's got nice reach. Um, yeah, she looks powerful. Sure. And confident. But she's also quite robotic. Uh-huh. Uh, she's a one and no fighter, so she's really raw and predictable. And if you're not easily overwhelmed, then you're going to find a ton of opportunities to land on her. So this just looks like a pretty good matchup for Norma Dumont because yeah. Dumont is she when she falls flat, it's because she's put in a situation where to look good, she needs to bring the fight to her opponent. And um, that shouldn't be an issue because I trust that Wolf is going to bring the fight to her. And given that, Dumont is a solid range striker, good counter puncher. I think she's uh, she's going to be able to kind of beat Wolf uh, where she's comfortable off the back foot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just don't really see. Like, this is a terrible booking. I don't really yeah, see I, how I you make it. She's 30, Wolf is 38. She's had a puff boxing career of. You know, just like a very handled boxing career that doesn't have any real meaning to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those uh, things where you couldn't, you know, most most people would not be able to name most of her boxing opponents. Yeah. And then she jumped into the you like she got a win over somebody who's three and oh and mm-hmm. it Someone wasn't no boxing at all clearly yeah no boxing at all and it was not a pretty win it was a struggle yeah and now she's here fighting somebody who's actually pretty good yep and yep. there's just no sense in it at all somebody who's a you know a almost a decade younger than her and has actual talent. And I would just expect Dumont to, she should absolutely walk through Wolf. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Clearly they think she's the next Holly Holm or whatever, but yeah, it's, um, no, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with this. So who knows? Daniel Tapology has Daniel Wolf ranked 1,547th pound for pound in the U S West. Mm. Great. And Norma Dumont ranked as the number two woman's featherweight worldwide. <laughs> well, I'm fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm just watching the part of her contended series fight where she very nearly got Von Flu choked, by the way. Yeah. That would be a cool way for this to end. Yep, I don't know. Yeah, again, I, I think I I Wolf's a good addition and um um it's it's not uh, impossible. I mean, I, there there is a sort of feeling where level of competition, possibly also differences in way bodies mature. That like there there are a lot of women who fight um, well into their late thirties and early forties um, in the UFC at like a higher level than most guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm happy to have Wolf here. She she looks like she's got some promise for sure. I like that she had the confidence to friggin' go for a guillotine in this uh, in this fight, but um, yeah, she's yeah she's one and zero, and she's doesn't have all that much time to learn. And as you said, whatever you think of her fights, Norma Dumont is a very solid fighter. Yeah, it's just it's a weird weird booking, and I'm I'm, I'm really unsure why it was made. 
Is she much I, bigger than Norma? Let's see. 5'11", 70-inch wingspan. Yeah, she is. Jamont, 5'7", 67. So, yeah, maybe there's something there. She gets some jabs in. She makes Norma uncomfortable. I don't no. know. Doesn't doesn't seem like the kind of thing that would would really fluster Dumont that much. Weirdly, Dumont is not that big a favorite. Open at minus three fifty is currently minus three eighteen. Daniel Wolf opened at plus two eighty five, dropped down to plus two twenty five, currently plus two forty nine. Okay. It would be like there's no reason for her to be less of a favorite than Jailton Almeida is over at Anton Turcali. Well, there's a little less in that it is Norma Dumont. Like, Jonathan Almeida gets an overmatched opponent. He is going to crush him with... Yeah, but Chikali's at least had eight MMA fights. He knows what MMA looks like. I'm just saying stylistically, at least Almeida's he crushes opponents when he has an early advantage, and Dumont does not do that. That's true. That's true. So it'll be closer in in action probably than it should be, just because Dumont's going to let Wolf work, but I also think she's more than capable of punishing her, which is what she's good at. Yeah. I, I mean, I would, if Dumont doesn't finish Wolf, yeah. even in slow output as she can be, then that's a pretty big knock against her. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't honestly. really, ex- I don't really expect her to finish Wolf. Yeah. Well, that'll be a pretty big knock against her. Like, yep. You know, this is the this, kind of fight that she should, she should finish in the first round. Absolutely. This should be a statement or, 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 or the kind of fight where she just, you know, builds a lead, picks Wolf apart, and then puts a puts a stamp on it. This this yeah. is a fight where you you if you're Norma and her management, you need to be hammering it in her head that it's time to make a statement. This is a fight that you should not just win, but win impressively. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that she will. She's she's you know she's locked into that style of hers. We've already seen it lose her fights. So yeah. All right. Uh, that brings us to. A bantamweight bout, Chad Anheliger, Haile Alatang, or Alatang Haile. And, um, yeah, I guess I'm not really sure why this fight got made either. Uh-huh. Like, Anheliger, he would, you know, I was really happy to see him have this really scrappy win pick, that he picked up over Jesse Strader just through like pure guts and determination and willingness to go out there and trade and be, be aggressive and stay in Strader's face. Mm-hmm. But Strader's a pretty inexperienced fighter that, uh, you know, is made to crumble under that, that kind of pressure with a pretty mm-hmm. one dimensional game. I, Alatang Haile is, or Haile Alatang He's really good. Yeah, he is. Like, he's a really clean, powerful boxer. He can't necessarily match the output of some, you know, somebody really who can really push a pace on him, like Casey Kenny could. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, he's very hard to take off his game. Very hard to, like, keep down or take down. Very hard to outstrike and just keep in a spot where he's not able to fire back or where he can't get his own shots off. He lands really well consistently with power and he keeps a really good steady pace. So you kind of have to really be able to take something special to him to beat him. 
Mm-hmm. And I would be pretty shocked if Chad and Helliger has that in his uh, in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. It's another one of these seeming confusingly one-sided matchups. Yeah. Like he's scrappy. He yeah. will he will make this fight scrappy, but I just think he's gonna get hit really a lot harder than he can land back mm-hmm. consistently. Mm-hmm. Alatang is perfectly comfortable scrapping and he's a lot sharper. Mm-hmm. Uh odds on the bout. Alatang opened at minus two fifty five, jumped up to minus one forty seven, is currently minus one sixty six. And Helliger opened at plus 215, dropped down to plus 127, currently plus 138. I guess I would say to Ann Helliger's credit, like, you know, he's he's had 17 fights already and he's 35. Mm-hmm. So he is in a point where he's kind of now or never on this. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to he can jump in and he can prove that he can win these fights. He's he's on a one two, 10 fight win streak. Mm-hmm. So he might as well take his shot. It's just, I think it's going to be a pretty rude awakening. Yeah, I tend to agree. All right. That brings us to a woman's strawweight bout, Melissa Martinez, Elise Reed. This matchup at least makes sense. Yeah. It's a good matchup. Yeah. Um, Melissa Martinez making her debut here. She's got a she's got a really fun fighting style. Very scrappy. Very scrappy. Plenty messy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know she she throws her punches with uh, a lot of confidence. Yeah. Uh, really tends to overcommit and mm-hmm. fall in. She's but she's nonetheless aggressive. And in her fight with um, uh, Desiree Yanis. Yeah. She did show, I mean, granted, she she spent a lot of the fight being controlled and wrestled, but she also showed some seriously uh, stalwart defense uh, that as much as uh, Giannis was able to hold her against the fence and get her down, she was rarely able to hold her down or or actually get her to the floor. Uh-huh. And then in the moments when they were at range, Martinez's scrappiness uh, pulled through for her because she was just way more aggressive. And any time an exchange was offered, she took it and landed a shot. Um, which I guess makes for, yeah, an interesting dynamic with Elise Reed, who is like your classic sort of, if you let me look good, I'm going to look really good striker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sharp and powerful and creative and against any kind of pressure, half of her ideas are like really risky and bad. Yep. Yep. Reminds me a lot of like, uh, Nina Ansaroff early in her career. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where she will just, yeah, do all of these extremely, like, low percentage kicks um, and just, like, spends half the time standing completely side-on mm-hmm. and lets her opponents outmaneuver her or pressure her, and then her stance kind of collapses. Given space, she she can look really, really sharp. Yeah. But um, Sam Hughes didn't give her space. Nope. And uh, it ended up being a really bad fight for her. So yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of leaning Martinez just because I, I don't know what she really brings when she actually collides, but she's going to force collisions. She's going to keep the pressure on and she's the kind of fighter where she's not going to be put off by the sharpness of Reed's strikes. She's going to 
quickly recognize, I think, that these are mostly single layers and that these are exchanges being offered. And like I said, she takes those. Um, so yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not terribly convinced by Mar- that Martinez has the physicality to do much. Yeah, yeah, that that's fair. She, you know, she seemed like she got pretty pushed around pretty easily by Giannis. Yeah, even she's if, pretty small. Yeah, she's pretty small. She was put on the cage a lot pretty easily and things like that. And Reed is a much sharper puncher. If it's mm-hmm. going to just be a bunch of single exchanges that they have over and over again, where they're, you know, both giving each other the opportunity to trade, I think Reed can land the better shots. Yeah. Also, Reed does like to like rush forward with blitzing combinations. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I, I kind of envision Martinez being able to survive those and then uh, realizing that she just has to just keep the pressure on and trade when one of those things happens. But early on, she's definitely going to like pressure, pressure, pressure. Uh Oh, something's coming and back up in a straight line. Yeah. And Reed is absolutely going to ding her with one of those blitzes. Yeah, I think I got to go with Reed. I, I think she's she's just the sharper puncher, and neither woman has enough control over any other part of the fight yeah, for me to enough. not think that that's going to be the thing that matters. Yeah, I'll take the pressure and aggression to uh, yeah. to expose some holes in Reed's technical uh, game and in anything other than very long range. But uh, yeah, I suspect Reed is going to get lots of moments early, and she can probably hurt Martinez. Uh, Martinez opened at minus 252, jumped up to minus 170, is currently minus 166. Reed opened at plus 212, jumped up, dropped down to plus 133, and is currently at plus 136. Okay. Well, I'm glad uh, it's getting closer, at least. Yeah. Uh, uh, odds should be pretty close to dead even. Martinez, you know, uh, she... Her, she got a you know she got a solid win over Yanez who was five and one at the time. Mm-hmm. The rest of her experience is not particularly meaningful. Mm-hmm. And Reed getting a win over Corey McKenna, you yeah. know like she and even Jillian DeCourcy has had a pretty good career now. And Jasmine Jasuda Vicious, like she's got wins that really actually have translated pretty well. For sure. So. um you know, I know Reed is capable of handling uh, a reasonable level of competition consistently, and she's but, she's she's a an impactful enough fighter that yeah. relatively small improvements would go a long way. Yeah, and she's also impactful enough that she might hit Martinez harder than Martinez has ever been hit before. She probably you know, will. Yeah, it might be one of those situations where we don't have any idea how Martinez is going to fight when she gets cracked by a really hard one-two. Mm-hmm. You know. We'll find out. Yeah. That takes us to our final fight. Darian Weeks, Johan Lainess. This is a good and, one. Yeah, it's a solid fight. Solid mm-hmm. booking. Uh, yeah, I, you know, Weeks, I... This is tough because Weeks is a place where I feel like I could see more improvements out of his game. Like I, I, I keep thinking that he's about to turn a corner. He's got some solid fundamental ideas built into his style. He's building a game that I like the look of. Mm-hmm. And Lioness, I just can't help thinking, you know, he's already at a place where he's pretty 
he's pretty much going to be the fighter he is, even though he hasn't been fighting that long. I don't know. No, no. He, he could he could show new wrinkles. You never it's know. True. But he's definitely a brawler for the time. Yeah. He's got this power brawling style. Weeks is, you know, he's working on, like, delivering a, a sort of a sharpshooter one-two to, you know, roughing people up inside and controlling and being physical inside. And um, having, like, a, what should be a good pressure game, but then it all just kind of fell apart against Ian Gary. Yeah, since when is Ian Gary Ian Machado Gary, by the way? Uh, he married into the Machado family. So. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it completely fell apart. I mean, I, I think it actually could be a pivotal problem here, too, that Weeks's disadvantage counterintuitively may be the fact that, like, he cares about defense. Yeah. He's not just going to, like, get hit and accept that as part of a winning game plan. That was a huge problem against Gary because he clearly understood he needed to pressure. Mm-hmm. But Gary was so accurate and, and difficult for him to time that he literally just never got into the fight. Yeah. At any point, he was just shut out from the beginning because he, he was focusing so much on just not letting Gary hit him clean. And, yeah. uh, you know, when you do that, it ends up happening no matter how hard you try because offense, if not the best defense, is an excellent companion yeah. to defense makes it easier to defend things when you're 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 putting things out there yourself and you're giving it back when you when you'd have to take a shot and fair fair play to 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 um weeks here like gary did go out and do the the same thing against a better opponent in gabe green absolutely yeah he has made it clear that he is sharp enough to put to put hesitation into a lot of people 100 percent yeah it clearly hurts like hell when he hits you and you don't see it coming and yeah. Um, take taking advantage of all the like positional errors he makes does mean walking through a hell of a lot of fire and then just inviting more as Gabe Green learned when you do get there. Like, um, yeah, that that fight really convinced me on Weeks or, or on Gary. But yeah, Weeks didn't test Gary like that. He didn't no. even get the fight to the point where Gary had to like fight back. He was just being fenced out from the from the get go and. Um, that could be a problem because Lanus is super confident and yep. hits like a Mack truck. Yeah. And, um, you know, th- I think Weeks's opportunity here is really that Lanus punches himself out, uh-huh. which we know can happen. And then Weeks, but even then it feels like Weeks will kind of slowly work his way back into the fight and it's going to be a hell of a storm to survive early. Yeah, I got to pick Lanus, I think. It's just yeah. one of those things where I like the ideas that Gary is, uh, that Weeks is starting to build. Mm-hmm. But at this point early in his career, like, it's just not, there's not enough confident aggression in there for me to feel like somebody who has as much developing to do and as many holes in his game can afford to fight with the style he's trying to build. Yeah. Whereas Linus. It's just like, yeah, he'll go balls out and just try and kill somebody out there. And, yep. You and know. even, I mean, ultimately, like, even the reason that we we, we had high hopes for weeks uh, to show something in the Gary fight was based on what was ultimately still a loss Yeah. to Brian Barberina. So it may just be a consistent problem for him that he's... Um, He's able to get to good positions and he's got good ideas, but against an opponent who's just tough and mean enough, is he actually going to be 
to, to, to have the level of aggression necessary to win the fight. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll take Lanus as well. Odds on the bout. Lanus opened at minus 150, jumped up to plus 115, and is currently at plus 112. Weeks opened at minus 130, dropped to minus 135, is currently minus 136. It's a little surprising. Yeah, I'm not really sure what that's based on. I mean, I know Lanus got finished, but... He also almost finished Gabe Green. Yeah, Gabe Green is really damn tough, yeah. you know? No, Gabe Green's no joke. He's one of the most like durable, will come back from the brink of defeat to steal victory kind yeah. of fighters out there that we haven't and we haven't seen weeks be that yet. Yeah, Green is relentlessness incarnate. Yeah. All right. On that note, we're gonna wrap things up. You can find me on Twitter at Thuzane Simon. Find Connor on Twitter at Boxing Bush. Find both of us over at bloodyoba.com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcast, Bloody Oak Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. And we will be back in one week's time for one of these events. Damn it. <laughs> Something. There's going to be some fights the following weekend. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure. UFC Fight Night 211, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what's the action what's the fight I'm trying i can't i, I i'm on best fight odds to to see and that's okay terrible. i will tell our no it's sanhagen versus song ufc fight night sanhagen versus song which considering that also has giga chikazi sadiq yusuf yeah, and yeah, yeah. gregory rodriguez versus chidi and Chikawani on it hmm. i am very much looking forward to that anthony hernandez mark andre barrio yeah looks pretty good yep so we'll see y'all for that one. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Adios. Thank you for listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivisection, the Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, and Radio-Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and on BloodyElbow.com. <laughs>